Hello, it is Monday, September 21st, Overreaction Monday. A lot of football yesterday. We dive into all of it with Matty Hasselbeck, friend of the show, Charles Robinson, not the WWE ref, guy works for Yahoo Sports, which is still a company, and the legend from yesterday, the man that hit a 58-yard field goal, then a 53-yard field goal, then a 58-yard field goal, then another 58-yard field goal, Mr. Harrison Butker, the Butker kicker himself who saved the Kansas City Chiefs over there in Los Angeles yesterday. He'll stop by for a conversation. Before we get started, I want to say from Milan to Pittsburgh, Revtown jeans are the holy grail of jeans. A few guys from Under Armour quit their jobs and decided to make the most comfortable jeans on the planet. The guys took the stretchy athletic apparel fiber and the sweet comfort of sweatpants and partnered with the best maker of premium denim in Milan, Italy, ever heard of it, to create high-end denim jeans. Every pair of jeans is $79 since they have no middleman. Think about that. They have jeans from Milan for just $79. Most places are charging two to three to four times that price for jeans that are anywhere near as comfortable as these. I wear them all the time and they really do feel like sweatpants. Head over to revtown.com forward slash McAfee and check out their jeans. Again, that is revtown.com forward slash McAfee. R-E-V-T-O-W-N.com forward slash M-C-A-F-E-E and get jeans for more than half the price of their competitors that you'll never want to take off. Let's get to Overreaction Monday, shall we? <laughs> NFL Week 2 Sunday had a lot of storylines, a lot of conversation to join us to do and say... <laughs> You get it. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Hasselbeck. Let's overreact. Okay. Uh, Russell Wilson's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. Is that an overreaction as a former Seattle Seahawks player that he tied your record? What a stud. Is the world just not get to see him enough, you think? He's a primetime player, Pat. Um, Here's the thing that's interesting about Russell Wilson. He's never received one vote for an MVP award. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he's never been the MVP. He's never received even one vote for the MVP. And I think some of that, what happens is you got to play on primetime games. And then in those primetime games, you got to play your best. And last night, I mean, that was a treat. I mean, he played outstanding. You think about four touchdowns last week, five touchdowns this week. That's oh. nine touchdowns in two weeks. That's more than that's more than some NFL teams. Uh, last week, four incompletions. I just think he's such a difference maker. Um, and I, when I think of Russell Wilson, I think of Pat McAfee. The personalities are very, very similar. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. but he really is a he really is a dynamic player. And I think you can't uh, you really can't deny that anymore. So he's throwing to guys I've never heard of either. Now DK Metcalf, obviously we know of him because he's a freak. And that pre game warm-up thing that he was doing the uh the catch before the game that they called obviously how michael said like uh the odell beckham jr thing like wide receivers always do that but his his, yeah i didn't like odell i guess quick quick thing on that quick thing on that what 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 sort of bothers me about pregame warm-ups is like guys do pregame warm-up stuff just for the camera you know they'll do like these things it's like a trick shot almost right then there's some stuff that's like activation what i loved about what dk metcalf did that's actually a game rep so a little thing about coaching quarterbacks and wide receivers quarterbacks are taught if you're going to complete the pass um 
at the front line of the goal line, we want that we want that basically belly button or lower, typically. We don't want that ball up high. Ooh. If you're going to throw a pass or complete a pass in the back of the end zone, we want that ball face mask or higher, shoulder pad or higher. And for DK Metcalf, that's an us or nobody throw. It's a put it up high, DK, you, you go up and get it. He basically was up above the goalpost. So I really loved seeing him working. Like he was working on his craft. He wasn't working on something just kind of for show. And everything that I've heard from people in Seattle that, you know, DK is the real deal. Um, you know, I expect more from him. But you mentioned spreading it around. I wrote this down. Um, Russell Wilson had another five touchdown passes to five different receivers. This is a complete quarterback. I think this is a chance to be a complete team. Okay, so Chris Collinsworth said something about he lost his MVP vote <laughs> because he sent his in-vote late or whatever, and then they like laughed and said there's another story to that, which I hope we get to hear someday from that. But MVP conversation is one that surrounds Lamar Jackson every single time he plays. I mean, he is he took his game last year and took it to a whole nother level this year. He looks even better. Patrick Mahomes as well. There's like this young group of quarterbacks that are Kyler Murray is starting to play. When you look at the future of the NFL from the quarterback position, I mean, it is changing fa- uh, fast and it's electrifying I think to watch. Yeah, and it would be easy to just say, oh, that guy's an athletic guy. He can just run. But I don't think Lamar Jackson gets enough credit for what he is as a passer. He really is a tremendous pocket passer. Um, And really where he – I think he had 28 touchdowns last year from the pocket. But where he really excels is throwing to the tight ends. So Lamar Jackson and tight ends, specifically Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, that's the combination. Lamar Jackson has more touchdowns to tight ends than anybody in the NFL going back to last year. Mark Andrews has more touchdowns than any other person going back to last year so I just think that to you know sort of take the easy way out and just to say Lamar Jackson's changing the game because he's fast and he's athletic and he can run he can make you miss um that would be discrediting what he is as a pocket passer okay so let's Lamar Jackson's been dominant what have you seen have you watched Kyler Murray yet because this dude hey yesterday he hit a professional athlete and it got called back which I am not happy about but he was in the open field with a guy and he literally hit him with a stop and then boom right by the guy it was like a movie it came out of a movie and I'm like I didn't know this guy had the juice like that he's got it and it feels like he's just getting more and more comfortable he scored a touchdown yesterday shook two guys scored tossed the ball to the ref turned around just dapped up and kept it moving it was like he's not surprised at all Cliff Kingsbury seems to be learning NFL defenses a little bit better and I think with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald being on that team I mean they are they're a hot team right now They're a hot yeah, team. They're, they're a hot team, and that's that's a good division, but he's special. And I remember the first time I ever saw him play, he was actually, I think, at Oklahoma playing against West Virginia. It was a nationally televised game. Yeah. And I thought, wow, I have not seen a player this fast since – you know, it's easy to say Michael Vick, but he just looked like he was at a different speed than everybody else. He's a little guy, okay? He's not your typical first-round pick, uh, height and weight measurables. But for a little guy, he has got a very, very strong arm. So I really think that he just makes it look easy out there. And, and uh, you know, you mentioned Cliff Kingsbury. Kyler Murray is a young quarterback learning how to be an NFL quarterback, doing a good job. I think Cliff Kingsbury is very similar, that he's a young Um, He's kind of like a bright offensive mind, but he's learning how to be a head coach as well. And I would just say that there's little things that I've picked up on that I've seen, even going back to uh, 
the field goal that they had right before halftime, just the game management, the situational stuff. His team looks very, very prepared, Cliff Kingsbury. I feel, feel like he's improving as a head coach, as Kyler Murray's improving as a young quarterback. And think about the reason that Arizona grabbed him, too. They had just taken a quarterback in the first round the year before. They had been Russell wilson so many times. And what I mean by that is, like, they had the perfect defense on. They were ready to win the game. And then, you know, Houdini makes a crazy play, and that's Russell Wilson. They basically said, you know what, we need our own Russell Wilson, and that's what Kyler Murray is for them. And, and um you know, he's, he's entertaining to watch as well. I thought you meant Russell Wilson as in you draft a guy and then somebody that's drafted four rounds later is just better than your guy. That's what I thought you meant, which has happened to them as well, by the way. <laughs> that both happens. Those. It happens. Um, you talk about Cliff Kingsbury looking like game management and situational football is at an all-time high. I think those situational man- or, or those situ- game situations is a direct indicator of how the coach is. You see that. And I think special teams, and I heard you and Rex Ryan get into it on ESPN on the pre or kickoff show, which is a great show, by the way. You guys are coming to you live from New York. I appreciate Sunday it. NFL Countdown is the name of the show. Yes, thank you. You get it. It kicks off the day. <laughs> it's on ESPN. And they, and they count down to get it. Okay. But I saw you and Rex going after, I think, Bruce Arians. But after this weekend with special teams blunders, I think Dan Quinn is another one. You can directly see how a team is coached by their special teams. If it looks like a complete clusterfuck all the time, there's a good chance that that head coach is not very with it in the special teams meeting. There's nothing going on. That. What happened yesterday with Dan Quinn and that Atlanta Falcons team where they just watched that football spin right in front of them oh. for six yards at least of them surrounding it. And they could say, oh, they thought they were supposed to block. The-. They didn't block anybody either. So they literally did nothing on an onside kick but get hypnotized. I think that is something that not enough, not enough people talk about is like special teams is a very good indicator on how well a team is coached, I think. Shout out to Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys they have two failed fake punts that weren't great, but they came up on the right side of this whole thing. And the Atlanta Falcons just look stupid yet again. Yeah, well, there were a few fake, uh, failed fake punts uh, yesterday. We're not we talking about those. Yeah. But I'll say yeah. this, Pat, and, and ironically, you wouldn't think this about me, but I was on the hands team in college. So okay. the hands team is the team that is uh, <laughs> responsible on. for, you know, catching like that onside kick, right? That That's a dangerous job. And as you know, that is not a drill you ever, ever practice live in practice. Like that drill, the onside kick is, you know, all right, guys, let the receiving team get it. All right, guys, let the kicking team get it. It's never really like best versus best, like, uh, you know, a a kicking team versus a receiving team in live sort of live bullets, if you will. And that ball is not round. So it's easy to, you know, sit up here and criticize the guys on the hands team, the guys, you know, trying to jump on it. But, Pat, as you know, like if, if it's your job to catch the ball, there's a bunch of guys coming the other way that their job is just to run, you know, as fast as they can and just, you know, take you out. Like that's essentially your job. And so you got to make a split second. Ah, you're giving really the bullets doing it. It's, it's not as easy as people think. You're giving them an excuse, I think, but because giving them an excuse and they're wrong and they'll learn from it. I actually think that players across the league oh, are yeah. going to learn from the Atlanta Falcons blunder like the fact that they lost this game they'll never live this down this will just like go into their you know the history of like games that they've blown however <laughs> there are a lot of people that never get this opportunity for a live rep 
it's almost like in baseball when the ball's trickling down like the third baseline or the first baseline you got to make a quick decision and you're either right or you're wrong you you know the better play is to basically be aggressive i think that's the lesson here but you see it in baseball all the time where a guy's like no 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 we'll just let it roll and you were wrong you made the wrong decision okay so now that you mentioned baseball you kind of opened my eyes a little bit because i was about to bury the special teams coach for atlanta falcons for not having his players prepared for this moment because this is something that you go over like this is something you go over like even in practice when you practice the onside kick and it's not good on good and the kicking team doesn't rush it I'm still kicking them against the hands team, right? So they can see them. And there's always a conversation like, hey, if it goes in front, it's rolling. Like, you can go up and get it. Like, it, for every special teams coach I've had. So I thought that their special teams coach was just, you know, ignorant to the fact that that was a rule or chose not to tell his players that was a rule. But now that you make the baseball comparison, though, they might have thought that that ball wasn't going to go 10 yards. Mm-hmm. And they're like, there's no reason for us to even sit on it, which then makes it even better of a kick that this yeah. dude, by the way, Kickers know you kick the inside of the ball, it's going to turn towards the side that you kick. It's a beautiful ball. But if these Falcons players thought it wasn't going to go 10 yards, then it does. Now it makes a lot more sense now that you mention it that way because they could have never guessed that this song bitch was going to turn sideways like it did. Well, there's a fine line. Like when, you, when I think a lot of people saw this kick happen, they were like, oh, man, that's the worst kick I've ever seen. It's not even going to get there. And then sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, it's really a great kick. Now, Atlanta screwed up royally because they could have jumped on it a, a bunch of different ways. But you don't want to be that guy that jumps on a kick Hank that basket. looks like it's going seven oh. yards when you didn't need to. And I think the lesson here is – you should be that guy. You should be aggressive. And I think the rest of the league will learn from it. And it's my hope that when we do see onside kicks, because onside kicks, I want to say it's like, you know, like the chances are like ridiculously low. Yeah. Next to zero. There are some other outside the box onside kicks that we've all seen in practice that never make it to the game that are a little bit better than maybe just the traditional one that everyone practices against all the time. Yeah, the traditional one is now impossible with the no run-up and everything like that. It's just, it's damn near impossible. I like what Jeezy did, old young Jeezy down there in Dallas with old Bones calling two fakes and then non-site kick and then hitting a 46-yarder to win it. Uh, before we let you go, and the boys got questions for you, I'd assume, Matt, because the boys miss you, by the way. Don't oh, yeah. oh, big yeah. time. Hey. We got a chance to be with Matt once a week all last fall whenever we called those Thursday night games, and we definitely miss your presence in our life. And, and by the way, you made us better, but speaking of making somebody better it feels like the chargers are better with justin herbert a quarterback and mm. listen i don't know if that's because the chiefs weren't able to prepare for justin herbert they were preparing for tyrod taylor then he was out but you picked the guy number five overall for a reason he is or number six overall for a reason he is unbelievable it looked like yesterday making throws making plays he seemed calm seemed cool i enjoyed i mean he made a one bad play had an interception obviously but i think he is a guy that if you're the chargers you're just like all right we got our guy Let's go ahead and build around him. But instead, they've said, unless Tyrod Taylor, if he's 100%, he'll be the starter. It's like, I don't know if that's the right move at this point, especially against the Super Bowl champs, what he was able to do. Here's the right way to handle the press conference. Anthony Lynn was asked that question after the game. Justin Herbert was the real deal. You know, the only reason Justin Herbert wasn't the first pick overall was that basically people weren't really sure if what they saw at Oregon would translate into the NFL. His offense at Oregon wasn't quite the same. And so, you know, all of the measurables are there. The skill sets are there. I, I was one of the – you can put me on the list of the people that was impressed with how he played. He was physical. He was composed. The one touchdown pass that he had was just sort of like next level. So he is their guy. There's no doubt about it. I just think that Tyrod Taylor is a guy that has a ton of respect in the locker room. Anthony Lynn's a guy that is um, 
You know, he's a head coach that a players really, really respect. And I think he handled it properly. That right after the game wasn't the time to say, hey, we're going to move on from Tyrod and we're going to go to Herbert. Gotcha. Like, uh, think about it. Tyrod just, I what do you make it to like week three when he was the starter and Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. took over? What are you going to do it to the guy the next year, like with, um, you know, week two? There will be a time and a place to sort of make the transition and pass the baton. But Justin Herbert was uh, so impressive. There's no way that he really can't be the starter going forward. Uh, and that's not a slight on Tyrod. It's just it's just what we saw the other day. I mean, just take it to the, to, to the play where the linebacker hit Herbert and knocked himself out. Like, yeah. That play alone. You hey. For someone to, like, take this team and just put them on your back and just say, hey, listen, there's a new sheriff in town. This is how we're going to be the rest of the way. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be the bully. Um, we're not going to be a finesse team. We're going to be a physical team. It was a really impressive performance. By the way, he doesn't talk a lot, I don't think. I think he's known for being quiet. Him getting up as fast as he did and walking away as the guy, that's like a subtle shit talk there. Like, that is Ooh. that is him talking it's shit. It's a passive-aggressive move. Yeah, which I love a lot. He, he gets up like, yep. Oh, you're dead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is, like, I, I love that. That's what I liked most out of that whole scene was, like, him getting up, it, knowing that he just killed a guy and, like, walking and really, And really, like, we're not talking about it because all the other collapses, but the Chargers – really coulda, shoulda, woulda won that game, yeah. if not but, but a couple of things. And really just a very impressive uh, Kicking field goal, field goal, yeah. field goal by yeah. Butker there for Kansas City. That, that, was, uh, that was something to see. It was really good for the brand, I'm going to be honest. If he misses any of those, and like if he misses that last one, oh. it just kickers are the worst again. He <laughs> had to make it four times. It's like, get off the guy's ass. What do you got, time? Matt, given how much uh, Kirk Cousins stunk yesterday, do you think it's cause for concern <laughs> for the Vikings? Because their offense looks a lot different without digs yeah listen the vikings are just shockingly bad this year it's like their pass protection is bad their offense is bad the quarterback's numbers are terrible i think Uh stefan Diggs. listen last year when stefan Diggs was like going off like he was throwing a tantrum you know at first i was like oh i don't really like the look of that then i watched the film and i'm like He's got a point. Like, they need to get Stefan Diggs the ball more. And I think, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil is what happened last year in Minnesota. He got the ball. They got back on track. I really don't think they're the same team without Stefan Diggs right now. And they're in danger of being one of the worst teams in football right now unless they get it fixed. Uh, Diggs refused to acknowledge this team in the AFC. And, and really, the, uh, the Internet's not happy with him. But they got Stephon Diggs. And Josh Allen looks like a brand-new quarterback with yeah. Stephon Diggs. His deep ball percentage, I think, was like negative four or something going into this year. And then now he's dropping the ball in the bucket to Stephon Diggs. Why does he help them so much? Is it Josh Allen's natural progression into year three at this point? Or is it having a guy that can go and get it that can help the deep ball so much? Listen, Josh Allen's a, he's he's a freak athletically. Like he's really, really talented and really raw. I did his tape coming out of the combine when he's at Wyoming. Like his eyes are almost never in the, the right place in college. Like he's just out there like having fun, like it's recess or something. But the talent and the potential are one of the reasons that everyone said he should have been the first pick overall in the draft. I mean, it's the real deal. And he he was spreading it around last year. I mean, John Brown was the deep threat guy last year. Stephon Diggs, I wrote this down, eight catches, 158 yards, and a touchdown. And the thing I would say about the combo is they make it look easy. Some quarterback-wide receiver combos like, oh, wow, yeah, that's a touchdown, but that was like – 
you're sort of lucky on that one. The Bills right now, when they have explosive plays, they make it look like it's easy. Lightning delay, rain delay, whatever. There was one play, someone was so wide open, like a grenade would have killed one person. Like, they were <laughs> near the guy. I mean, it's just... I just think that this is just a really explosive offense to begin with, with a uh, a Brett Favre arm talent type quarterback, oh. and oh. and then and then you throw Stephon Diggs, who who really from the, even back when he was a kind of a late round pick. I just always said, man, this guy makes it look easy. Your guy, Brett Favre, is causing quite a controversy oh. down in Tampa. Oh, yeah. Ryan Jensen, center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, tweets today. Brett Favre was allowed in the stadium, but my family wasn't. Let's talk about it. Brett Favre's down there eating chips, having his good old time, doing whatever the hell he wants. He's on quite a string of just, uh, you know, just doing whatever the hell he wants. I like what Brett Favre's doing right now. I enjoy it a lot. What you, I, I want to ask, Diggs has a good question for you. I think he's, he's, I'm pumped for Diggs' question for you. But when you're Josh Allen and you know you have a very, very strong arm, strongest arm, yeah. like that's what everybody knows, and you're an athlete, and then – the entire world starts talking about how bad you are at the deep ball. I would assume that becomes something that like legitimately is something you want to get over as fast as possible. Do you think that's the case potentially this offseason? Josh Allen was like, listen, I'm sick of people saying that I cannot drop a deep ball to anybody. And him and Stefan just seem to be right on the same page this entire year so far. I, listen, I, I, I'm a little bit of an Instagrammer. I like to scroll. And one of the things I saw on a lot of people's Instagram was Josh Allen throwing the, be- throwing the ball at the beach. I mean, I want to say it was like some like aggressive, I'm going to work on my technique. I saw him with Jordan Palmer and Sam Darnold and all these guys all summer long at the beach, just like throwing deep balls, kind of like you did with your boys, overthrowing your buddy on purpose. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, just go get that one. Like, this is kind of what I saw. So I don't know what he did to work on it. But I would just say this, like, I don't think most scouts and coaches are, are necessarily all the all that concerned he reminds me a little bit of like a uh like a home run hitter in baseball that has a lot of strikeouts like you just sort of take the good with the bad like this is just what he is um we would much rather have this guy than you know all the other quarterbacks that that are out there that are just sort of medium or lukewarm or mediocre um i I just think that he'll keep improving and you know having guys that are good at catching deep balls um, will make his stats a little bit better. And, and they're winning football games. That, that's really, I guess, the bottom line. Yeah, I wanted to get back on the Bills' good side by asking a question about Josh Allen, but you took that from me. You so guys are very ask... well-dressed, by the way. I'm very, very Thank impressed. You. Matt's got Thank the glasses. You. Diggsy, you look look amazing. You look Thank like you're you. at the Opry or something like that. Well, Looking I have good. the glasses on because it, it, you can't really tell how open or closed my eyes are. <laughs> <laughs> glasses. You know what I mean? So if something happens in between – commercial breaks that potentially could send me into a different space. Oh, wow. I would never wear those, but I like like these. These are my Oakley PPE glasses. You know, it goes... I got these from the Seahawks, you know, to go with the. Oh, the oh that's safe. Those are like dog. Anyway, the, those are dog. The bounty Brett hunter. Favre at the game, just do this. No one will know you're Brett Favre. You know, you'll just look like a athletic trainer. Oh like yeah. MLB closer. What do you got, Diggs? Matt, we didn't see uh, Roethlisberger taking any shots really downfield in week one, and then we saw a couple here in week two. Is that just the progression of him getting back into it and feeling more comfortable? Yeah, I think that was a big-time injury that he had, a big-time surgery. And, you know, I don't think he necessarily needs to be the old Ben Roethlisberger right now. I've heard a lot of people, like on Sunday NFL Countdown, there are two people that I work with that I consider, you know, really smart defensive people, Rex Ryan, Teddy Bruschi. They both agree that the Pittsburgh Steelers have – the best uh, defense in all of football. And so right now it's kind of like, hey, as we're winning games, Ben, just get it, you know, get feeling back to get 
get yourself back to feeling like Ben Roethlisberger. And I think that'll just come. I mean, having I've never come off of, of that serious of an injury, but but the injuries that I have come off of, some of it's physical, some of it's mental. You almost just gotta like you know, kick through the cobwebs a little bit. And I think, I think it's a, uh, it's a pretty good start for big Ben. I love Claypool. Like I'm a huge fan. Hey. I love Juju. I think, I think they're going to come along in the passing game and, and, um, but I, but I don't think they need to be that anymore. Like, I think it can be a great defense and James Conner, and then we'll take our shots with Ben uh, when we feel like it kind of a team. Benny Snell kind of disappeared. It'll be interested to see how he plays week in and week out. James Conner showed up. That's awesome for them. And I said this yesterday while watching the game. Uh, since I was an NFL quarterback, I took shotgun at 15 feet or 15 yards instead of the standard <laughs> seven yards like everybody okay. else. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. The um, – <laughs> If I was facing that defensive line, like I think I would, it would keep me up during the week. It, it literally, like Bud Dupree is the third one on that list, and he's had his best year thus far. T.J. Watt is a defensive MVP candidate. Cam Hayward picked up Quentin Nelson last year and dumped yeah. him on Jacoby Brissett. I mean, that defensive line is just—is that something that a quarterback you just have to block it out? Again, I remember asking Andrew Luck this one time because we had a whole new punt team. Uh, and it was like, who's going to be blocking for who? I was like, Andrew, how do you get over the feeling of just knowing you're going to get killed? And he was like, oh, I don't. I try not even to think about it. Is that what a quarterback has to do when you're facing a D-line like that? You just have to be like, all right, these guys who are probably all going to kill me at least once this game, I just got to act like that's not going to happen. Is ignorance bliss in that entire world? Yeah, you got to trust. You got to trust your protection. You got to feel the rush, and you you really just don't even count them. I mean, that's that's all you can really do is think about two hands on the ball, staying low. Um, there is something about getting blindsided by like an outside rusher where they don't get this advantage now because of COVID. But like when I was playing, whether it was a home game or an away game, I got I, you know I'm holding the ball in the pocket, and you can actually hear the crowd, whether it's a home game or an away Whoa. game, they go, <gasps> and you just like. You know, tense up just a little bit, or you hear them like, ah, you know, like you can feel the energy in the entire stadium, the 70,000 people, like they're seeing the blind set that's about to happen, <laughs> even though you can't see it. So you, that's part of what feeling the rush is. So you really don't think about that too much. But I will say, Pat, you know, I played 18 years in the NFL. I got hit by, you know, some very strong guys, Romanowski and Michael Strahan. There's some like that stick out. I think maybe the hardest that I was ever hit was Cam Hayward. Like that dude is just a rock. He is a rock of a human. And he showed his athleticism last week with the interception on the goal line. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think his dad was Ironhead, mm -hmm. uh, Craig Ironhead Hayward. Yep. Not surprising. That, that um, I, like, you just don't forget hits like that. You were like 92 when he hit you, so I assume it hit a little bit different at that time. We Matt, you've mentioned uh, passing the baton. The Dolphins are 0-2. Do you think we're going to see Tua anytime soon here? You know what? It, like, as long as Ryan Fitzpatrick protects the football, I think they stay with him. If Ryan Fitzpatrick starts turning the football over, that's when I think Tua gets his chance. But, you know, even though the Dolphins are 0-2, I don't think the Dolphins are actually that bad of a football team. Hmm. Uh, the Dolphins were really in it with that Patriot game for, for most of the game, or for much of the game, I should say. But... Um, I think, I think the Dolphins are building something. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, because it's Ryan Fitzpatrick and Chan Gailey, um, I think that that's sort of the matchup. 
Uh, and I think they're taking a long approach. They like Brian Flores. They like what they're building there. I think they're taking a longer approach with Tua. But uh, but no, if, if, if Fitzpatrick can protect the football, I think he keeps the job. All right, we got like 30 seconds here, Matt. What are your thoughts on tonight's game? Carr, Breeze, out in the Death Star in the middle of the desert with zero fans. How do you see tonight going? Listen, I think the Saints are one of the best teams in all of the NFL, but I think the Raiders are one of the best kept secrets. So um, it would be a, a huge upset if the Raiders are able to pull it off. But there's something special about opening up a new stadium, you know, finally feeling like you're a national brand again. The Raiders haven't had that in a, in a little while. So um this is, uh, this, is, this is a tough game to pick. All right. Well, we can't thank you enough for your vast knowledge and being a good dude. Ladies and gentlemen, from ESPN's NFL Sunday Countdown, Sunday NFL Countdown, Matt Hasselbeck. Thank you, Matt. Yesterday was a day that the world got a chance to see a man step up to the plate and hit a home run. Then step up to the plate yet again and hit a home run. Then step up to the plate yet again and hit a home run. What? Ladies and gentlemen, this man's right leg was magical yesterday. Calling in from Kansas City, Missouri, ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl champ, kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs, Harrison Bucket. What's going on, guys? Hey, I love that the PR people put you in a photo of yourself. I enjoy the hell out of that. This is the first time I've seen it, so uh, it's a surprise to me as well. Hey, I want to let you know the photo looks good, as do you. I assume the plane ride home was a lot of fun yesterday. Let's talk about that first. Trip home, you have internet on the plane, you're watching the entire world react to you hitting bomb after bomb after bomb. What were the team like? What were some things being said about you? I saw Patrick Mahomes tweet out that you're a legend, sir. Yeah, it was I think the the most impressive thing was the fact that Coach Reed let me break it down after the game. He doesn't normally let me do that, but I guess I got to do something big to get that opportunity. And then, you know, seeing all the stuff on social media, obviously Patrick and Kelsey giving me a shout out, and then all the love from the big networks, you know, NFL, and obviously coming on here, I'm a huge Pat McAfee fan, and oh, obviously I'm for the yeah, brand. So yeah, thank yeah, you for yeah. It's an honor to have you on here. Uh, how did you break it down? What was a win on three, team on three? How, did your voice crack at all? There's a lot of judgment in that particular part of the NFL world. Voice has definitely cracked before, but not for that instance. So yeah. Yeah. It was super smooth. Uh, it was probably one of my best ones yet. And uh, I finished on like run it back or something because that's what we're trying to do. But then Chiefs on three. So super simple, playing for the brand. Hey, I love that. Let's talk about those three kicks. 53-yarder, you had hit a 58-yarder earlier in the day. Uh, the ball was flying nice in SoFi Stadium. Yeah, ball flies good out there. Yeah, warm-up was great. Halftime was great. It felt really good. I mean, it's nice being on a level field. Turf was really nice. Um, yeah, so I felt good the whole game. And then had the 58-yard field goal in the third quarter, I think. Hit it a little low, uh, but luckily it did get blocked, even though that extra point got blocked. But let's not talk about that. <laughs> and then the 53-yarder, thought I smashed that one. Kind of curved a little left. 
they uh, we went off sides, but in my head, I was thinking, wow, they just called timeout on me. So the 58-yarder, I'm thinking, I'm going to smash this. No way they're calling timeout again. They called timeout again, and at that point, I was just really ticked off. I think I even looked over at the uh, the Chargers sideline, and I was ready to go. I think it just added a chip on my shoulder, added fuel to the fire, and I was able to crush that last one right through. Yeah, because icing you is them saying, oh, this guy can't stay out of his own head. This is potentially going to be a problem. Or it's them just trying to play a little gamesmanship. In warm-ups and at halftime, how far were you going? Because you have a monster leg. Where were you comfortable going in from there? So in warm-up, uh, we were good from 67 full operation. And that, yeah. then at halftime, uh, <laughs> I made – I made 70 off the stick, so it wasn't full operation. But I made 70 going that direction, so 58, you know, I – I didn't really need to lower it. Like the 53, I had a lot of height. The 58, I lowered it a little bit, but I definitely didn't need to do that. So I was feeling good in there. Yeah, it it looked like it, by the way. What is your mindset jogging on the field for that first 53-yarder? Then the false start happens. You thought you got iced. Then the 58-yarder. Is, is there anything going through your head, or are you just trying to clear everything out of there? I'm trying to clear out as much as I can, but also it's like this is a pressure situation. I'm not in the league anymore just trying to be an accurate kicker. I felt like I've done that the last three seasons, and for me to really make a name for myself, i got to make big game kicks, long field goals, and that was an opportunity for me to go out there and make that 53-yarder. And I, uh, I mess around with Allegretti, the guy that jumped off sides, and I just say thank you for making it a 58-yarder. <laughs> story. Hey, get him one more. Let's go back to 63 real quick. Maybe one more. Let's go 68. We feel good out there the ball was coming out beautiful yeah i think your last one was maybe the most low but that thing stayed yeah. straight forever it would have been good for a long time you have a brand new holder in tommy townsend everybody knows dustin colquitt and you have a great relationship he was a stud he's on his way out he's with the steelers now you have a new holder for him that's a massive moment as well is there any talking before you guys go out there or is it just kind of let's do our jobs and keep it moving here yeah, definitely. So we had the hold down, you know, we, we had just a little lean on the ball. And then for the 53-yarder, I basically was aiming middle, and the ball kind of faded left on me. So for the 58-yarder, we moved it, the aiming spot, a little bit more right. I think that, that worked out well. And when a coach ices you as a kicker, I think that just helps you gain more confidence going into the next kick, figuring out any adjustments you need to make. And Tommy, he's done a great job. I think now that I have a rookie here, I can really get on him and kind of be critical of him. But he's done a great job as a holder and uh, I joke with him. I'm like, as a Chiefs punter, you're going to be more of a holder than a punter anyway, so we got to get this down perfect. Hey, that's real with Patty Mahomes. I mean, that is a unstoppable force. Yesterday, though, tough day. Needed their kicker to step through big, and people don't know this. The holder can miss a kick or make a kick for you, too, and people have no idea about that. And I was really proud of Tommy stepping up for that moment because he had to do it three times in a row as well. That's a massive good operation you guys have going. Diggs, what do you got? Harrison, in a big moment, a game-winning kick like that, can you tell, or is there a difference uh, – uh, being no fans in the stadium? Um, not really. I think after you make the kick, you expect to hear more of a celebration. I mean, we were playing at SoFi Stadium, but we probably would have gotten a big celebration anyways. So it was different in that sense. But, you know, Pat, you brought this up before. In practice, there are no fans out there. So we're kind of used to that. We're used to that environment. It didn't change anything for me. And uh, we were able to just go out there and do our normal thing and, and make the kick. I talked to Tucker, Justin, uh, last week, and he basically said after he made a kick, it was like a peaceful time. He said it was like one of the most peaceful times he's ever had on a football because he was walking back to do the kickoff or whatever. Normally, there's some sort of something, but there was nothing. He was like, I actually found like a moment of peace there. I was like, really? I didn't even, didn't even think about that. It's real. No, I completely agree. After the field goal, it's dead silent. I will say there is an element now of the field goal block team. They are chirping a lot more. So you can kind of hear that. <laughs> I try to tune it out, but 
you know, it's a smart thing. You got to take advantage of the silence and do whatever you can. And then also, you know, after you make a kick, hopefully the camera doesn't pick up with whatever you shout out there. And, you know, hopefully it's clean and not going to, uh, I don't know, mess with any of the children and uh, allow them to learn some <laughs> words. Yeah, I knew that was going to potentially be a problem with the NFL. They're very thrilled that I am not in the league because, boy, if I miss hit something, there was just a what's that thing uh, where you just say words that you're not supposed to? It's like a Tourette's. Tourette's. Yeah, I have like a Tourette's thing. As soon as a shank <laughs> happens, there is a four-letter word that rhymes with Andrew Luck coming out immediately, <laughs> and there's nothing I could do about it. Um, I watched a film of you kicking off with Jamie Cole, and you might have kicked the ball like 90 yards on this particular time. And I don't think I or anybody really respected your leg strength like it was. You saying that you were good from 70 in the direction that you're in. With 58 yesterday, was there ever a th- – there was not even a single thought like, oh, we have enough by Andy Reid or by you or by your special teams coordinator who's a G. No, so the third quarter we had the 58-yarder. And even before the game, Coach Tobe said 40-yard line, we're kicking a field goal no matter what. He felt very confident in that. So I think making that first 58-yarder gave Coach Reed a lot of confidence. And, shoot, it was a 53-yarder before. Just because now it's a 58-yarder, he's not going to drop me out, out back on the sideline. But I think, you know, early in my career, 2017, I was very accurate. I don't think I had the leg strength. Uh, that I do now, at least on field goals. I think kickoffs I always did, but field goals, I feel like I've, I've really honed in on that sweet spot. And now, obviously, I'm kicking the ball as, as strong as I ever have on field goals. And then for kickoffs, even this past offseason, we had the TrackMan device um, out on a high school field. It's the device they use for Sunday night and Monday night football, I think, with NBC. And I hit a 98-yard um, <laughs> kickoff. So even the kickoffs have gone up as well. So it's a, pretty amazing. I'm trying to break some records this year. Yeah, I'd say. I watched that film. I was thinking about coming back to the league to kick. I was thinking about it. And I watched the film of you kicking. And I literally was like, yeah, I don't, it's a young man's game. I don't know if I got that. Where You went to Georgia Tech, obviously. They're pumped about uh, you representing the Yellow Jackets. We're coming back, by the way. I think Jeff Collins really has them doing something. Where are you from originally? I'm from Atlanta. You know, I grew up. 15 minutes from downtown Atlanta so it was a blessing to stay close to home my parents were able to come to all the games um so yeah I loved playing in the heart of Atlanta and I think Jeff Collins is really going to do some great things for the program especially in recruiting he's got a lot of cool stuff going on we had a great win against Florida State and you know I wasn't able to catch the UCF game because we were on the plane but I'm really excited for the future of the program a lot of people you got cut by the Carolina Panthers is that right yeah, well, I, I was on the 53 for week one, and then I was on practice squad for two more weeks, I think. And then the Chiefs called, and I, I was talking to my agent. I was like, oh, they want me to go in for a workout. They're like, no, man, they want you to be the starting kicker for Monday Night Football. I go, okay, well, they got a lot of trust in me. I got to deliver. How was, it, how was the transition to the NFL? Because you see a lot of guys, rookies, and I, I've said this a lot, and I feel like as a representative of punters and kickers, I feel bad saying this, but it's real. You never know if a guy's going to be able to transition from college to the NFL for whatever reason, whether it's mental, whether it's the ball, whether it's – you never know if a guy's going to be able to get it. When did you know after leaving Georgia Tech coming to the NFL, you were like, okay, this is this, I, I am going to be okay in this particular environment? I mean, I I tell everybody, it wasn't until Monday Night Football, regular season, after making a couple kicks, even playing in the preseason, doing well in the combine, I still wasn't really sure of if I can do this. And I I will say, every other position, even if you draft a quarterback, first overall, they're still going to have a veteran there to help show them the road. And in Carolina, I had Graham Gano. He was able to teach me a lot. I think you see a lot of kickers when they're drafted and they're the only kicker on the roster, they're going to struggle. There's a lot of basic things that only a veteran could teach 
teach them. I know a special teams coach ideally can kind of pass on some knowledge, but when you have a veteran there like I did in Graham Gano, you're able to learn a lot. And so going to the Chiefs is also a big transition for me because when I was on practice squad and even when I was on the 53 week one, I had Graham there. And now when you're the only kicker on the roster for that organization and you're expected to make kicks, that's a bit uh, big pressure thing. And I was able to kind of look back on all the stuff I learned with Graham and apply that. But you know, you got to be able to deliver under pressure. And for me, I think I do a really good job of just focusing on the process, um, making practice harder than the game. And then hopefully I'm giving myself the best probability to make those kicks in big time situations. You're incredibly fit. What weird stuff do you do? Off the, <laughs> you, you do some weird stuff, I bet. You, you're a vegan. You do the vegan thing. You're a keto guy. You do cardio every day. You are incredibly handsome, fit man. I don't think I've seen that body fat percentage ever in my life. Maybe, mm. maybe when I was a child, I'm not 100% sure. But what do you do? What do you do to stay in shape? I mean, I just figured I need to focus on my diet, lifting everything I can to help kick the ball further. I think it's helped a ton. Uh, you know, I eat a lot of red meat, so that's probably the opposite of being vegan. I'd say I have uh, <laughs> you know, 10 eggs a day. I'm eating six meals a day. Probably four of those have red meat. Getting a ton of sleep. And then as far as lifting, you know, I'm hitting the weights hard. I think if I can challenge my body in the weight room, then going out and kicking, you know, my body feels great. I can kick a ton of balls. That was one thing I learned from Tucker actually last year. I think he kicks so many balls throughout the week. He's just getting a lot of reps in, and that's one thing that I've kind of applied uh, to myself. And the more I can kick and stay healthy doing it, the better I'm going to get. Uh, oh, so you kick a lot during the week, yeah. Yeah, especially this off season, but you know during the game, and my body's never felt better, and I'm kicking more than I ever have. Oh, is it this, so? This is new. I'd say I'm kick. I'm definitely kicking more during the week, but it's just because my body feels great. You, normally, you kick and you're like, okay, I'm getting a little tired. I'm going to stop, but I can just keep going. And I do a lot of stuff. To, That's uh, why to when you got to hit four straight 58 yarders, it doesn't matter. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, well I'm good from 70 this direction. And if we got to kick four, but by the way, we could do this. Hey, all day, Chargers. <laughs> you want to do this all day? We could do this all day. That's awesome. You didn't even know you were preparing for getting iced in a in a false start and everything like that. Would you mind taking a phone call question? Yeah, sure. Okay, let's go to William down in Georgia. What's going on, William? Hey, what's up, Pat Harrison? Uh, first off, congrats, Harrison, on the ring, man. Uh, that's, that's one more than Pat, so already doing better. Oh, okay, oh, let's go to Peppy in Mexico. What's going on, Peppy? <laughs> hey, Pat, how are you doing? Hey, congratulations, Harrison, on making it and coming through big when your number was called on. You mentioned getting a little bit angry every kick. How did that anger fuel you? And also, what are your thoughts on making it back to the Super Bowl? Great question, Peppy. Ooh, there, do you get a little bit? Do you what is? Do you get angry at the ball? Or are you a super cool guy? No, I have to get angry. You know, I kind of messed around with that in college and earlier on in my NFL career, just trying to be smooth and relaxed. But for me, that never worked. I, I think I was very competitive in high school playing soccer and basketball, and I almost have to, like, create this chip on my shoulder. Like, man, they doubt me. They don't think I can make this. That's when I'm at my best. So the fact that they were calling those timeouts, you know, I'm like, they don't think I can handle the pressure. They don't think I can handle being on the stage. I'm just being on that field for, like, two minutes and kicking three kicks, three game winners, basically. But I think it definitely helps me but every kicker's um gonna be different and then 
I, I didn't hear that second question about the Super Bowl. Well, do you think the team has a chance? Because <laughs> I said, you guys, after week one, I overreacted heavily. I was like, this team is uncompete with a bull at this point, yep. especially with the offense that you guys have. And it feels like you guys are a tight-knit group, which is the biggest X factor for teams having success. Last night, I think yesterday was a potential wake-up call from a great Chargers team. They always play you tough. But your team has to feel very good both coming into this season and where you're at right now with a tough road test already getting passed yesterday. Yeah, the thing that we always talk talk about is, I don't know, has there been any teams to run it back? I think maybe one team. I'm not sure, but no that's kind of the goal for us is to be able to repeat. Not a lot of teams do that. Um, so that's kind of the chip on our shoulder, and we have a lot of great leaders in the locker room. And the Chargers, I think, are, are a great team, and, and that was definitely a tough game for us. But, yeah, we're, we're trying to run it back. I think we got you know a great a great chance of, uh, of winning the Super Bowl down in Tampa. Let's talk about William and George's question. Okay, it was a good question. I mean, the way he delivered it was very rude. Very, very rude. rude. Yeah. Uh, Super Bowl, any different for you? Whenever we played in the Super Bowl and lost to Drew Brees, it was a weird crowd because you got a lot of people that just go to every Super Bowl. They're not like diehard fans for either team. I assume Chiefs Kingdom traveled in a heavy fashion, but the Super Bowl for me was just a weird night. I, now you won, obviously, so it, might, it was much different than mine, but did the Super Bowl do anything for you mentally? Did you overthink anything, or was it just another day at the office for you? It was tough. You know, I think um, leading up to the game, I was sitting down with, with Dustin, and he was telling me this story of, I think it was a Raiders offensive lineman that just got up and left, and, you know, the pressure was just too much. I think getting to the game was the most impressive thing because, okay, say if you play in the AFC Championship game, you know, you have one week to prepare for that. Well, the Super Bowl, that's two weeks, two hard weeks of practice where all you're thinking about is the Super Bowl. All the questions are, you know, Harrison, it's going to come down to you, game-winning football. Are you prepared? So you're just thinking about this game for two weeks straight, and then you finally get there, and you're like, oh, this is great. Uh, night game in Miami, 70 degrees, and we're coming from Kansas City where it's freezing cold and windy, and the grass has turned to sand. So, I mean, it was like awesome just playing in that stadium. It didn't really even feel like a game. It just felt like, uh, you know, uh, an entertainment night for, for all the fans. And like you said, there were some Chiefs fans, but there's also all the celebrities and just people that just like going to Super Bowl that are just kind of there so it didn't have the same feel as a normal playoff game but you know when you win it obviously it's like okay we're the, we're the best team in the world and uh you know we just got to go run it back let's go to duncan and indy we appreciate your time here harrison duncan what's going on hey what's up man first off what you did yesterday especially as a shoot for the brand and also my money line live bet that was plus money that was huge for me too. Yeah. Uh, you helped out a lot when you're going out when you're going out for a game winner and you know the opposite team has a timeout in their back pocket, I know previously you said it boosts your confidence when they try to freeze you. But is that in your mental at all, knowing that they could possibly do that before a kick? Great question, Duncan. I'm not going to lie, it definitely is. I mean, the 30-yard field goal, I went out there and I was expecting them to call a timeout. I saw the ball go through and I was just looking around to see if they called the timeout and they didn't. So then I was figuring for the 53 and 58 yarders, they weren't going to call the timeout. So when they did, I was like, okay, well, what's different from the 30-yarder the to push the game to overtime from, from this? I guess some coaches, you just you just go out there and, and waste the timeouts. 28 yards. In your head a little Harrison, bit, uh, the difference is 28 yards. <laughs> the difference the difference between a 30-yarder and a 58-yarder, and that's hilarious that you see no difference. <laughs> and by the way, that's the guy that kicks a 70-yard field goal. Just, oh, what's the difference between a 30-yarder and a 58-yarder? You broke like a franchise. You're tied a franchise record with that, Harrison. Yeah, but in, in my mind, the longer field goal, 
the more you can see that ball flight, the more chances you get, the better you're going to do. But every kicker is different. So some kickers, I'm sure you can look at the stats, just struggle when they get um, when they get iced. No, I think it's a mixed bag. I, I think since the beginning of icing, it's been like a uh, – Connor, what do you got? Harrison, uh, we saw the importance of the onside kick yesterday with Greg the leg Zerline. Is there anything you're working on to, uh, you know, confuse the uh, hands team or anything like that? I'll just have to keep that that secret, but you got you got to be creative because with the new onside kick or the new kickoff rules, it's definitely more difficult to get the onside kicks. So uh, you can't just do your traditional kicks. I think Young Way Koo has been doing amazing things as well and being creative. But yeah, I mean. I don't know. You just got to be creative and come up with something different and surprise the, the hands team. Oh, and you also got to hope that the other team doesn't know the rules. Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. go. That helps a lot in yes. that particular situation when it's just, you know, slowly just sitting there on a tee, basically. I mean, look, you can, can you see this photo, Harrison? Is, can he see this shot here? There's five dudes that could have that got on that ball. I'm praying for that every single time I hit an onside kick. All right, I hope the other side doesn't know what the hell they're doing over there. Let's hope that happens. Got to fall on the ball. Fall on the ball. And for you, kick the hell out of the ball, man. Hilarious 98-yard kickoff on the track. <laughs> yeah. 70-yard field goal during uh, halftime. Ladies and gentlemen, a man who has just stepped up time and time again. Great to chat with you for the first time, really. I, I, I hope to hear more from you, sir. Yeah, appreciate it, Pat. Love being on the show. Hopefully you uh, can have me again. You got it. Tell the boys we said hello over there and good luck. And I wish you guys would have won by eight and a half, but three's okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Harrison Bucket. So sorry to interrupt Overreaction Monday. We were really just hitting a groove there, but I got to tell you about Whoop. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides daily personalized insights to you on your sleep, recovery, and how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from both your daily activity and the normal stressors of life. I used Whoop when I was getting ready for my wedding, when I was getting ready for my WWE match, whenever I was trying to better myself, Whoop gave me all the intel that I didn't know I needed on my body. Like for instance, whenever you wake up and you feel a little groggy, you're like, why do I feel tired? Whoop will tell you exactly how much you slept and what percentage your body is at currently so you can adjust accordingly. Also, your heart rate variability, uh, yep, variability, resting heart rate, and respiratory rate as a baseline to provide you with a recovery score each morning. You can use this score as an indicator for how you should approach your day. One of the great features of the app is their Strain Coach, which takes your recovery score and provides workout exertion recommendations so that your training is in line with how your body is feeling. This is the information that we as humans have never had the ability to have. If you want to get into better shape, you want your body to feel better, look better, and overall mental well-being be better, Whoop provides all that information that you never knew you needed in one easy-to-use app and wrist wearable. Whoop recently announced a partnership with the NFLPA where every player is going to receive a strap to track their body's vitals as the NFL prepares to return and play safely. They've done the same with the PGA Tour, LPGA, and University of Tennessee. They're working with teams and athletic departments across the country to make sure everyone is staying safe this fall. Whoop is offering 15% off. When you use the code McAfee at checkout, go to whoop.com and enter the code McAfee to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter with Whoop today. All the professional athletes are doing it, but you don't have to be a professional athlete to know more about your body. All you got to do is use Whoop. Whoop.com, code McAfee, 15% off. Learn more about you to have the best you possible. Back to the show. Joining us now, a man who's an NFL insider and reporter for Yahoo Sports, which still exists, ladies and gentlemen, not the WWE ref, the football guy, Charles Rock. 
What's up, fellas? Hey, Chuck, great to hear from you, pal. How are you down there? I'm fantastic. We got the season rolling. Uh, I don't know. I, I made it through week two uninjured, so that's uh, here. <laughs> okay, so let's dive into that a little bit. Yesterday, maybe the most injury-riddled day in the history of the NFL, especially with big names. There's more names rolling out this morning for more injuries. Christian McCaffrey out four to six. Cortland Sutton tore his ACL. Saquon Barkley tore his ACL. Is there anything else that we should know about or any other names that you're hearing that are potentially going to be done for a little bit? Um, Leak Hooker tore his ACL. Um, uh, I'm trying to think what else. I, I, literally, the list is so long; um, it's ridiculous. I, I uh, you know, I think the big ones, obviously, um, you know, Saquon is is done. Um, McCaffrey, I expect. Look, Matt Rule said he's not sure if he's going to put him on IR. He, I think he's going on short term IR, uh, so McCaffrey will be down. Um, we're waiting on Solomon Thomas, but that sounds like it may be season-ending with Solomon Thomas with the 49ers. So Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas potentially season-ending. Garoppolo sounds like it's going to be week to week with an high uh, with the high ankle. Um, Damn, man, who else am I? Who else am I missing here? Drew Locke, two to three weeks, but it's a shoulder, so you know that could extend longer than that. Um, you know who else am I missing? <laughs> it's like a million. Paris guys Campbell. Here. I mean, you, Paris Campbell got hit in the knee yesterday. He went out. I mean, uh, Michael Thomas still from last week. I guess he's questionable for tonight or whatever. I mean, it's. Just... I don't think. I don't think Thomas is going. Tonight. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's going tonight. I talked to somebody there this morning. And it sounds like it's. He's not going to play tonight. He really wants to, but uh, it sounds. If he Campbell, uh, I believe they're doing an MRI on Campbell, and I don't think the results are back yet. There's a lot of MRIs today. It's a busy busy time at the doctor's office get there early okay so all these teams had to be prepared for covid with a deeper pool of players that they could potentially pull from but the players that got hurt yesterday are big name players how right. did how from your conversations how are the gms reacting to this how are teams react like what are they going to do there's some teams that are potentially very 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 fucked like the niners for instance yeah. they are yes. in a potential very Sorry. bad spot here just after week two and it is it is nothing that they could potentially do about it there's nothing the Niners can do. And and Cal Shanahan, you could tell how pissed he was yesterday. Um, I thought he was very measured about the MetLife Stadium turf. I don't, Ooh, you know, he's yeah. he's speaking out of emotion there. The, the NFL is going to check the MetLife Stadium turf again this year. Now, this, from what I was told, the turf was cleared. And, and there's a process between both the union and the NFL where, um, you know, they make sure every playing surface is is good, good to go. And so prior to the Monday night opener between the Steelers and the Giants, the NFL, you know, they went through the whole process of, of checking the turf. It was fine. Both teams came off that field. There were really no complaints about it. Now, you know, look, Kyle was hot. He was hot pissed after that game. You lose so many fundamental pieces of your team. And he talked about players saying, hey, it's tacky. The turf is tacky. You know, sometimes you talk to different GMs and they're like, hey, man, sometimes you're not wearing the right cleats. Like, maybe you wore the wrong cleats. You're supposed to have that sorted out. Um, There's going to be some complaints, you know, from the 49ers. I think those are linger. You know, Eric Eric Armstead, that was great. He he called the field trash. He said 2020 is whack. I fact-checked that. Like, half of of that statement is correct. 2020 is whack. We'll we'll find out if the field, uh, you know, sucks at MetLife. But... Um, you know, the Jets have had injuries, but they really haven't had field-related related injuries. So, um, 
you know, it's going to be a big question. But as far as, you know, teams and, and being prepared, there are too many big names going down. You don't replace a Cortland Sutton easily. You don't, you know, look, Saquon, McCaffrey. I mean, those guys are like, what, one, two in every fantasy draft on earth. You don't replace those guys. Devontae Freeman is going to be very popular. The Giants um, are having Devontae Freeman in to talk to him. I think there's a chance maybe Carolina would look at Devontae Freeman, although it's a little more unlikely. But, you know, Ziggy Ansah is the guys out there in, free, in the free agent market. You know, the 49ers now, I think, are, are really looking closely at Ziggy Ansah, bringing him in. So some of these people who waited and didn't have contracts all of a sudden, you know, are going to are gonna be popular with some injuries rolling out. And we thought that was potentially going to be because, be because of COVID, but now it turns right. out that massive injuries are just striking the NFL. It tees and peace for everybody. I was in the last game, I think, that got canceled due to a bad field, that Hall of Fame game. And I'll tell you yeah. what, that thing was disgusting. And by tacky, I think they mean that their feet are stiff which means right. that things happen. Uh, if that's the case, that'll be a long conversation. I would assume, though, that the NFL and MetLife Stadium, the one we were at, was a high school stadium. That <laughs> They literally hey, they painted it for the Hall of Fame, and then they put a black tarp over top of it, and they might as well have just got out a magnifying glass <laughs> from the sun and just cooked all the paint that was in there, and the turf just stuck to each other. So guys would like run, and then you would just instantly run into an entire glob of just stick, basically, like quicksand in there. It was well, that, that was a nightmare situation hey don't forget the 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 big time mexico city game oh, the monday night oh, game yeah. that was canceled because they had a shakira concert by the way and then electric shakira moves the needle oh yeah, yeah. great time <laughs> shakira <laughs> moves the needle. the needle what do you got there yeah well she moved she moved people enough on that field that it ripped the living shit out of it so <laughs> <laughs> they didn't they weren't going to use that thing anymore charles do we know what's going on with tyrod with the chest injury and is is there any chance moving forward that he is the starting quarterback there uh, okay, so I, I had a chance to talk to somebody there this morning. They're being real careful about what they say about it. Like, it sounds to me it's re- it may be related to the rib injury that he suffered. In, you know, he, he showed up, popped up on the injury report kind of late with a rib injury. And, and I asked, like, you know, is this – is there, like, a, a muscle pull somewhere in his core? Like, is this – was there a rib fracture that you didn't list and you're going to get in trouble for that now? And – you know, they're saying, no, no, it's not like a fracture or anything like that. But, um, you know, it was it was legitimate. Like at first when I heard that they were yanking him because of this, I was like, ah, I'm like, man, I don't know. Is this is are they coming up with cover because they want to make a switch here? And they're, you know, mm-hmm. trying to, you know, be cute about it. But no, it wasn't that at all. Like, this is pretty serious. And um, I, I asked, you know, like, look, Herbert played well. I didn't see any of these issues about, oh, he's an introvert and he, maybe he can't lead his team. Like, you, know, you spin it like that, no one gives a shit about whether you yeah. lead your team. <laughs> so um, he, I, I think that, you know, Anthony Lynn is going to give Tyrod Taylor an opportunity when he comes back um, to start. But everybody in that building feels good about Justin Herbert. Um, you know, I, I think teams would catch up to him anyway. I mean, look, you know, it's one game. You know, it's a, it's a limited snapshot. The Chiefs did not prepare for him. And so I think that did make a difference. But Anthony Lynn really wants to make sure that Tyrod Taylor does not lose the job because of this. But everybody knows where the direction of this is going. They went out and got Justin Herbert specifically for the purpose of grooming him and having him be the starter in 2021. And if that's got to get started a little bit earlier, it's going to get started. And we were told that if Tua or Herbert were available, either one of them would end up with the Chargers. They're obviously thinking long-term, and that just – 
That, that's the business, and Tyrod's been around long enough to know that. But it is interesting the way they handled that immediately after Justin Herbert having an incredible debut, almost knocking off the Super Bowl champs. But we'll, we'll monitor that as we go, Chuck. Uh, Ty has a question for you. Charles, what have you heard about Devontae Adams? Because from uh, yesterday, it sounded like keeping him out for most of the second half was kind of just precautionary, but there is uh, a hamstring issue there, they think. <laughs> Yeah, so they're trying to determine what grade the hamstring is, um, and it's, you know, I, I don't know yet. Like, this morning they said it's still up in the air, but um, it did sound like, I mean, look, they were killing Detroit. So I mean, Beating the <laughs> hell out of Detroit! <laughs> Charles! We should be talking about the coaching hot seat at this point. Oh, 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 okay, so let's go, let's go with that right now. Are you hearing anything about uh, Dan Quinn potentially after his special team's blunder last night in the, with a big lead and then giving it up to Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys? Are you hearing about Matt Patricia? How about Adam Gase? Somehow this guy is Houdini'd himself still into a job at, over there in New York. What are you hearing in the coaching front, Charles? Okay, so Quinn... Um, I think one thing that's going to help Quinn, and and I was texting with somebody late last night about this, and he said, "Look, man, we lost Tack McKinley in that game, and mm. you know, once the groin injury happened, it changed really the complexion of some of the things they were doing, and they felt like, you know, the, particularly the front end of their defense, you know, the, the injury impacted it pretty significantly." Now that said, you know, you can't. I, I think the onside kick situation. There's going to be some questions about how prepared was the hands team for this. You don't typically let a ball roll like that. The full <laughs> 10 yards. Now, granted, it had some English on it. Oh, yeah. Like, that was a, oh, that yeah. a well-kicked ball. But, yep, um, it, uh, it, you know, it's sort of like, hey, if we had a preseason, if we had, you know, uh, all this uh, time that we typically have, maybe the hands team, you know, and Hayden Hurst jumps on this rather than playing Dennis Rodman and boxing everybody <laughs> out for 10 yards. That was wild. Um, I, I think Dan – We'll get a little bit of breathing room because of the fact that they went in the tank in the first half last year and the team fought for them all the way down. Um, I do think, look, if Dan's in some trouble, I think everybody there is in some trouble after this season, you know, with the Falcons. They've, you know, Arthur Blank's given everybody every last opportunity to try and get this thing turned around. So if it doesn't get turned around, it's a problem. I think Detroit, I can only tell you this I covered that franchise uh, for a couple of years and ownership historically has always been slow on making any kind of a change. I do think that, look, if Matt Patricia, this is emblematic of where this is going, I think Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn are both in some serious trouble, particularly considering they held Jim Caldwell to a different standard. Oh, yeah. He did better than this and and got fragged. And, you know, Matt Patricia has not – I mean, he just hasn't put it together. And Quinn – it'll be interesting with Quinn because when you talk to people about that roster, the two deep is pretty decent – people look at the Detroit roster and they're like, look, there's talent there. It's They're just not performing for whatever reason. I think the most interesting one, though, to me is um, the Jets oh, and yeah. Adam Gase. And I think it's interesting for a multitude of reasons because here's the thing. You're heading into a quarterback draft, okay? And oh, you no. know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, these are going to be guys that teams are going to look at and they're going to say, are they special? Are they like Kyler Murray special? Are they like Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes special? If they're that special, Mitchell Trubisky, you, <laughs> you could end up seeing. And they're never going to get away from that. Um, and they still have a job, by the way. Uh, anyway, <laughs> On the quarterback, get, you go and look at Arizona. This is what this is what's interesting. People need to consider this. 
Arizona had Josh Rosen. It didn't go well. People said, like, you know, look at the pieces around Josh Rosen. It's all this different stuff. You know, oh, he's got talent. You know, why would you draft a guy 10th overall and then move, move on, you know, so quickly? Well, it was because, you know, look, Steve Kime sat there and he said, look, is this guy better? Like, is Kyler Murray special? Is he better than what we have in the fold? Yes, he is. And we can't, we can't pass up on special. I think that the Jets like Sam Darnold. However, he is not Joe Douglas's draft pick, the general manager there. And unfortunately for Sam Darnold and really even Joe Douglas, I think the team has been very restrictive about what could be spent in free agency, the pieces that could be put around Sam Darnold. I think ownership, frankly, has been cheap um, in, in New York with the Jets. I, I think that has hurt Sam Darnold. If you want to talk about one guy who has specifically been hurt kind of significantly by – how ownership is running the money right now. I think Sam Darnold has been hurt. I just think it's interesting because you could you could see a scenario where if they tank the rest of the season and Sam Darnold is not able to function at a really high level, at least partly because of the parts around him, you don't want to enter into that draft going, should we look at the quarterbacks to just make sure, like, hey, is one of these guys maybe a Pat Mahomes? Is one of these guys maybe a Lamar Jackson? Is it a Russell Wilson? Is there a special guy here and – do you have to always take the special guy after we saw Arizona, frankly, make a decision that most teams won't make, you know, you, you're ditching a first round top 10 pick after one year. Um, they made the tough decision. What did it do? It completely changed the complexion of the franchise. And now you have guys there, um, particularly Steve Kime, a general manager, who's going to have a job for a long time now because of Kyle. Murray. Well, and also you got to remember the whole GM not drafting the person is a big deal. I was told Specifically, I did not draft you. There's no ties between us. There's no loyalty between yep. us. That's, that's a real, real thing. It's happening with Baker right now in Cleveland. Anybody that doesn't think that's happening, that's happening right now. Baker's going to have to do a lot this year to keep that job. Sam Darnold sounds like he's going to have to do a lot too. I would assume because he's 20 years old, I think at this point, maybe 19 years <laughs> yep. old, he'll end up somewhere. I'm not 100% sure that that's going to be tough. What do you got, Connor? Uh, Chuck, last week it was reported that Zach Ertz and Allen Robinson were both uh, pretty unhappy with their respective situations. Are they going to stay put or do you see them getting move this year um here's the thing about Ertz and the eagles the eagles are in a tough cap situation and they're going to have the cap drawback next year and the eagles are one of those teams along with the saints that um are kind of in a really tough spot and i think that's part of why the eagles i think they have some depth at tight end that they like and I think they think maybe that you know zach Ertz is potentially replaceable by that that depth that depth and you know they really like Dallas Goddard there and you know I think if the Eagles really really suffer and and we're, we're looking at a, a start that is poor and you know the injuries continue teams are going to call them I can tell you that I mean there's going to be a team that's going to sit there and go hey look you know tight end particularly now um, is a difference maker and you have a lot of teams that we're seeing with linebackers that can't run in space Look at Jalen Smith in Dallas. Go back and watch what happened against the Atlanta Falcons that aren't making the proper decisions in space. And you can win games with, with a special tight end. So I could see them getting some calls on, on Zach Ertz. I'm, I don't think that that's 
the financial end of that is going to work out just because of where Philly is headed next year. Um, and I'm sorry, who was the second player? Uh, Allen Robinson, receiver for the Bears. Extend Allen Rob or A-Rob or whatever there was. That was an entire Twitter movement there that even Chicago Bears players were getting behind. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. No. Guys, Allen Robinson, think about this. He's had a 1,000-yard season with Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky. Okay. Pay that guy, right? You know, yeah. you want to pay that guy. If I can tell you this. If they don't get that done, I have a little more um, faith in the Bears getting that done, particularly, hey, if Mitch... Bears. Hey, Mitch, (laughs) look, Mitch has not been great the first two games, but he's keeping himself alive, and and if he continues to, you know, extend his chances out... I mean, if you, it's interesting, you watch the play where the touchdown to David Montgomery. Montgomery with a great run after the catch, but Mitch created that, and that's what they drafted him for, to Uh be healthy, to be moving around, to be creating things. Uh And if if there's a glimmer of hope Uh for the Bears to actually, for Ryan Pace to survive this, for Matt Nagy to survive this. Charles, they stink, dude. What do you mean? They're undefeated, Charles. You know it, I know it. They stink. Oh, Chuck. They got Nick Foles just sitting there. Nick Foles is like, all right, I'll take 20 million or whatever just it's to sit here and watch this. It's a great plan B. He watched three quarters of Mitchell Trubisky play like Ty Schmidt at quarterback <laughs> that opening week. And Ty then, has a great arm. But that fourth quarter, he was unbelievable. And then, yeah. by the way, first half, he was good. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting. They're going to end up blowing that entire place up, and Mitchell Trubisky is going to be fucked too. So it's like oh, yeah. Sam Darnold done. Yeah. Baker probably done. Mitchell Trubisky probably done. Nick Foles, by the way, if they blow that entire place well, we up. Denied, it's fifth year probably done. Plus, you had Trevor Lawrence. Plus, you had Justin Fields in there. It is is going to be quarterback friendly this upcoming offseason. I can't wait to see the moves. And we know who will have all the inside information. The only man that works for Yahoo Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, Charles. <laughs> yeah! Thank you, guys. I'm going to give you my worst three teams in the NFL. Okay, here we go. Here's my three worst teams in the NFL. And I'll, I'll work from, like, suck to most suck. Okay. Does okay. that make sense? Three mm-hmm. to one. Suck yeah. To most okay, suck. so I got the um, Giants without Saquon Barkley and the current Vikings as oh, okay. tied potentially for third mm. worst team uh, in the NFL. The second worst team in the NFL, I see the Lions being yeah. there. Only the second? Very oh, much so. Oh, the Lions I are the suck. second worst worst team I think at this point and the reason is it's not because their actual team because if you look at their team I mean for four straight games they've had double digit leads in the fourth quarter and they've lost so it's it's not the team that sucks and why they're not the number one suck team why they're the number two suck team is because I think the team is actually good they find a way to get a lead on all these teams they can they can take the reservation you see they just can't hold the reservation they can get the lead on good teams they just can't close it out I think ownership I think Matty Stafford's a stud. <laughs> I think they have some great players. I think there's a lot of things going on. But Raider. for whatever reason, that team, he missed from 58 yesterday. I had the video on it. I was pumped. I thought that was going to win all of Detroit free beer, by the way, because yeah. it would be the longest kick. I lost my mind. Once he missed, I knew they were probably in trouble. But <laughs> the the Lions are number two suck just strictly because, for whatever reason, that franchise yeah. just can't win a game. So yeah. what you're saying is they're cursed. I, if they That's what I you think. Did it, yeah. So Ted Lasso. They had a training room that was cursed. For those who haven't watched Ted Lasso, by the oh. way, it, the last episode kind of sucked, but the first five were very, very <laughs> good. You go ahead. You can, now is a good time to binge it because the last episode that's available is going to be the worst one. So you'll be able to get there and just kind of finish through it. it. There's no reason for it to be as good as it is. I, I, it's like a very feel-good, funny, 
wholesome. It's just, it's a great show. It yeah. makes no sense how good it is. And they had a cursed training room, so nobody would go in a training room. And they went and did a fire, basically. Everybody bring in something important, <laughs> and we're going to burn it down. Ooh, Phil and then we'll, Yeah, it was kind of like, hey, we took something from them, obviously. We got to give something back to the spirits or whatever. And they go back in the training room. Everybody's yeah. getting healthy. Here we go. Team's back, all right? So I think that's what the Lions need to do. They need to figure out who they pissed off, how they pissed them off. Oh, I know who it is. It's Calvin Johnson. Just pay the guy's fucking money. Yeah, pay the guy his they were money. Good before that. What's that? Is it, uh, they were good before Calvin was there. Yeah, if you just hey. pay Calvin, maybe the yeah. karma gods or the football gods will come back and say, you know what, this town who's been through a lot, mm -hmm. they don't even have internet everywhere here. Mm -hmm. There's a town near here that doesn't have any water they can't even drink. Yeah. The Tigers stink. The Red Wings stink. Maybe the football gods, yeah. if you guys just decide to pay Calvin Johnson, he's what, $27 that you yeah. owe him. Yeah. <laughs> 1.2 mil. Yeah, yeah. They Jeez. will say, hey, let's get this team back on the right track. I think that's what it's going to be because it makes no sense how bad the Lions are. Yeah. It makes no sense at all. They fired Jim Caldwell when he went nine and seven, and now after three years, Matt Patricia has won nine total games. And it's it's one of those things. Maybe that's another karma thing. And, and Matt Patricia's our guy, but you don't, guy. you don't pay Calvin. You fire Jim Caldwell. It's like the football gods watch that shit. By the way, and the football gods are just sitting there, and they're like, "Oh, is that right?" You guys are just going to disrespect yourselves having a franchise. <laughs> and the Shield. All right, get the hell out of here. We are going to curse you because you can't have that much of a lead on so many teams and not be able to finish it out if you don't start thinking, like, there has to be something bigger than this. And I feel this bad. has to be bigger than football. I feel bad for Matthew Stafford. I'm almost at the point where I want them to trade him just so he sees a better team. And the Giants are tied with you. Uh, no, actually, did I put them at three? I yeah, don't remember. Did. They're in the, the second Vikings. tier. Yeah, yeah, the Vikings, I think, are with you guys here. Big yeah. win for the Lions being in the second tier. Yeah, and then the worst Big teams, win. obviously, Jets. I yeah. mean, they yeah. just stay yeah. so yeah. bad. The, uh, versus, uh, the Eagles. So that's five teams. But uh, what's that? What about the Eagles? Yeah, the Eagles definitely stink too. And I, <laughs> I think they have an injury problem over there. Yeah. And since they have an injury problem, Carson Wentz feels like he has to make every single play. So he's throwing it into defensive meeting rooms, just hoping something happens. And Hembo, our guy, at get up. And Hembo is. Uh, is a dude that's worked with Mike Greenberg since uh, I think the Mike and Mike days. He's like the weapon behind Mike Greenberg. And Mike Greenberg, obviously Hall of Famer, two different Hall of Fames, very talented at what he does. We watch Get Up every single morning. But I can now, after getting a chance to work at Get Up, know when Hembo has his hands on something. For instance, that absolutely evisceration of Adam Gase the other day by Greenberg, that had Embo written all over it. Like, mm -hmm. the yeah. stats, just the deep stats that you don't know that just paint a picture. Like, that is what Hembo does. Hembo is a guy who understands the ability to pull stats, how to tell a story with stats, and what helps you. And he made me better on TV last year. I'm very thankful for Hembo. And he put this tweet out about Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has made 20 off-target throws this season, which is the most in the NFL. Oh, he must be getting a lot of pressure because they were having a rugby player play a tackle. He goes, no, no, by the way, I know what you're thinking. 15 have come from inside a clean pocket, not pressured or under duress. So what does that mean? That means that Carson Wentz is either forcing it, Carson Wentz isn't reading the defense right, or he's just missing. I think I'm going to go with the first one because it feels probably as if Carson Wentz is putting the entire success of the team on his shoulders. We, well, I'm going to have to play well. But man, if you're an Eagles fan, this has been a tough couple weeks here to go and it's only going to get worse, I think. It's only going to get worse. If you're a player on either the Eagles or the Lions and like you know going into this year there was kind of a lot of hype that like it might be different at what point do you kind of start to lose hope a little bit well you saw that with the Chicago Bears defense last year the Chicago Bears defense went down yeah they they saw what was happening on the other side of the the ball and they were like it doesn't matter we're not gonna be able to score 
enough points to keep up with the offense that we're trying to defend. You, you could see that incredibly talented defense that the Chicago Bears still have, by the way. Oh, yeah. Chuck Pagano losing his mind oh, on the sideline. Oh, mm-hmm. boy, old Chuck. No mascot either. Yeah, well, oh, whoa. Whoa, whoa, what are you whoa, 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 whoa. What, what are you, are you a rat? Looks like the Bears you, need to get fined. You, you, you rat fuck. <laughs> we have very clean air in Chicago. Very, very clean air. You did not deserve that, but these coaches getting yelled at, by the way. Take it easy, dude. They're yeah. taking just as many tests as everybody else. Belichick had like a beak on. He didn't uh, even have it. Well, hey, yeah, but you saw like at the a, end, by the way, he... was fixing it a little bit. No, no. You, you saw at the end. It was very obvious in the second half somebody got yeah, in his ear about his mask in the first half because he had it folded up in the first half. So he had his mouth, he had the nose covered, obviously, but he had the bottom folded up, which I was like, I mean... Great way for Bill Belichick to get around the rules of the mask. I got it over my ears. Okay, I got it over my nose. They yep. probably said they probably mm-hmm. laid up, which is classic Bill Belichick. Yeah. What are the rules? Okay, here's the rules. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do this better than everybody else. Mask-gate. So they go over your ears, over both ears. It has to remain over your nose. He's like, you got it. Puts it over the nose, puts it over the ears. Then he folds up the bottom, <laughs> and that thing was awesome. Like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, Belichick is obviously making a mockery out of this. But I think at halftime, somebody told him, like, yeah. hey, hey, you got to do it. Because in the second it. half, he had that thing folded down. But back to the Bears. You saw that last year. The Bears' defense almost like tapped out. It felt like they were like, no matter what we do, the offense isn't going to be able to do a damn thing. I would assume that, you know, being a human happens for some players. But if you're at the Lions or you're at the Eagles or whatever, you just want to get paid, hopefully. You know, so like the people that think, oh, the player's checking out or whatever, it's like checking out. This guy might never have a job again then. So, you know, it's kind of hard to balance that. But the Bears' defense last year, obviously had a drop out out of nowhere. What's yeah. up, Fox? And if the Lions were to fire Matt Patricia midseason, does that bring energy back, or is it like, oh, this is actually over? Well, anytime you get new leadership, right, it, it, it reinvigorates uh, people right. for, they I don't know how team. long, by the way, I don't know how long it reinvigorates you, but anytime you get new leadership, there's always that urge to impress or to redo your job or reestablish something, and I think that's across all walks of life, not just in football teams. Mm-hmm. If a business gets a new CEO, people are going to perform their best for the new CEO, hopefully hoping that they could potentially move up the ladder or get something better. But then obviously water always finds its level. Yeah. Everything remains basically the same. And if the Lions don't pay the line, if don't pay Calvin Johnson, it don't matter who they bring yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. You got the football gods teabagging them every single week. Curse forever. <laughs> it's, it's a shame. You dude. said the Wentz might have the whole like my shoulders, like this is all on me mindset. Isn't that mostly almost every quarterback though? Because the no, team goes no. as the quarterback goes? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You think Jimmy G has that mindset? Yeah, you think well, Tom Brady has, has that no. mindset? <laughs> no way. You don't think Brady has the this team's goes as I go mindset? Did you see how much they ran the ball yesterday? I bet you Tom Brady had a little conversation with Byron Leftwich saying, hey, I'm okay with us establishing the okay. run. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I am okay with it. Like, everybody calls people a system quarterback, and they act like that's a bad thing. It's like, if you're successful, who gives a damn? Patrick Mahomes has a lot on his, <laughs> on his plate, obviously. Yeah, I yeah. think – and Russell Wilson. And that's about it, I think, if you go near Aaron Rodgers, probably. Mm-hmm. Aaron Jones, although they got a great run game. But aside from that, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that their success is 100% if you have a good game or not, right? You have a run game that can do things. Like Aaron Jones yesterday dominated. Career now, high. now Aaron Rodgers, obviously, is going to have to perform well for them to do well. And these quarterbacks are going to have to do that. But Carson Wentz is acting as if there's nobody else on the team but him. And that's just from me seeing a couple of plays that were terrible for him and watching him last year. Because last year he had that same mindset and it worked. 
worked. They were winning yeah. with nobodies at the end of the season. Orlovsky was going on get up. He threw my name in the trash, trash can at yeah. one point. Yeah, yeah for no reason. He lied, by the way. Yeah. He said that I said that uh, Carson Wentz wasn't good. I never said that. Nope. I said the Eagles are too hurt for their team to be good, which, by the way, turned out 100%. True. Bingo. Correct. Spot on. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he said he did an entire segment of people that bashed mm-hmm. uh, Carson Wentz, and he threw my name in there. So I started getting tweets from people in Philadelphia. They're like, how do you feel now, little punk, about how Carson Wentz is? You're just a punter. It's like, I never said that. Like, I never said that. Never said that. I never said that. I never said that. I never said that. I never said that. But I think that's what Carson Wentz is. And he's going to get run out of town from the sounds of it yeah, with Philadelphia sure. fans. Yeah, damn online. But if he wins next week. Philadelphia fans will also, hey, they will forget. <laughs> They're going winning, to the Super Bowl again. Winning cures all. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show. I understand that there's millions and millions of things that can penetrate your ear holes. The fact that you let us do that, uh, we are eternally grateful for. If you enjoyed the show, please be a friend and tell a friend. And if you didn't, just act like it never, ever happened. All right, Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music. We'll be back manana. We'll see you then.